All right, welcome to episode 75 of the Bobbycast. We had John Mayer on the show last week, and he came by, and we talked for an hour. And so we put it all out here for you, completely unedited, and for radio purposes. We had to, like, take some segments and put them on the air for radio, but this is all of the hour or so. And so wanted to give it to you. I'm a huge John Mayer fan, so for me it was cool, but this is episode 75. It's John Mayer and myself, and this is the Bobbycast. Here it is now. But first, let me talk about Express Pros for a second. Did you know the average number of people who apply for any given job is 118? Only 20% of those applicants get an interview because many companies use software to screen out applications before anyone even sees your resume. Simply uploading your resume won't get you a job. To get hired, you need an advocate. Express Employment Professionals is the local resource to help you land a new job. Express has more than 18,000 jobs available weekly. When you interview at Express... They'll assess your skills, they'll connect you to available jobs, and a team in your job search. If you're tired of applying online and never hearing back, visit your locally owned Express office today and speak with professionals connected to the available jobs in your community. Express never charges a job seeker to find employment. Visit ExpressPros.com to find the location nearest you. Apply online at ExpressPros.com or visit an office near you today. ExpressPros.com. Again, ExpressPros.com. This is the Bobby Bones Show. All right, John Mayer in studio. Hey, dude. How are you? Dude, thanks for coming in. I appreciate that. That's, thank you for supporting this record and this song and uh, giving me an opportunity to come in. You know, uh, I guess we can start this. We were talking yesterday. The last concert that I paid money to go to was your show. I, I saw you in Minneapolis, and we went up and watched that show. And I can't go tonight, and now you're like three blocks down the road. Well, you can't afford it? I can't. <laughs> I spent money. I, I, I gave you tickets. I'm, doing, I'm at the Opry tonight. And oh, cool. So, yeah, I can't come. Listen, it's always a cool reason not to come to my show because someone has a show of their own. That's the best reason not to come. So I hope good. everybody goes. Uh, the whole thing's cool because you do the show in chapters. Yeah. It's, kind of breaking it up a little bit. Same thing with your music. You, talk about that for a second because I enjoyed how you put out the songs and waves, meaning I got to enjoy four songs at a time. Yeah. Well, as a music listener myself... I was starting to feel the experience of listening to new music change where like I wasn't listening to records anymore. I was listening to what was thrown at the top of like if if you got Spotify placement or if you got like the Apple store placement, I would listen to those things. I'd listen to what was in memes. I'd listen to, but I wasn't really listening to records, you know, and the records that came out by artists that I loved would sort of like you'd hear about it for a second and then it would kind of disappear and I'd go, oh, that's a shame. Is that any good? And then you'd hear the record. You're like, this record's great. There's all this great music sort of slipping through the cracks, you know? And so I knew how hard that not just I had worked, but how hard people around me had worked on this record. It's not necessarily anymore like this endeavor where I'm trying to get my name out there. But when you see people who are staying in the studio longer than I am, and I'm in the studio for hours a day. And the fact that there are people who I work with who are there an hour and a half before me and an hour and a half after me, you want to, you want to do it in service to those guys, you know? And, in terms of getting the record out and making sure people see it and making sure people understand what it is you made. And the idea became like, well, what if it came out the way, like the way television's going to Netflix and everyone's sort of putting the whole season up all at once. What if records just switched places with it? And it was like, take four songs, get used to it, get your head around it. Here's another four, get used to it. Cause I knew each song was really important. And 12 is a funny number to consume now, you know, like, Hey, uh, I want you to watch 12 of these. You know what I mean? When someone's like, someone's like, uh, oh, you're going to love that series, but you got to make it through the first six. 
So I wanted to make it a little more easily consumable. And I think it worked in the sense that people felt really familiar with the record by the time I got on the road. Yeah, it did for me because I was able to consume the songs and spend time with four of them instead of it going, boom, here's an entire dinner. Right. Like, I got to eat a little bit of the corn, a little bit of the chicken. And so... I enjoyed the songs because of that. And I'm not even an album guy anymore. Like when someone puts out a whole album, I don't have time. Like yeah, that, I start deleting songs. I mean, I'm like, hey, you know what? Thing. And then I don't listen to it three times. That's the thing. I mean, if, but, that, but that's a lot of great, you know, there's a lot of great stuff. You'd think that like the more stuff there is, the worse it, it becomes, but it's actually the other way. Like there, everything's really cool right now. There's a lot of great music. There's a lot of great movies. There's a lot of great podcasts, by the way. Like everybody has a podcast I'm supposed to listen to. And it's all great. <laughs> But I just, I can't, it's very difficult to find these slots in your life to get that in, you know, into your world. And so it, it for me, it helped also because I could like, this record was so big for me to get out the door that I, I had to break it down into four parts just to get it out. What do you mean so big to get out the it door? It took forever to mix. It took, you know, the record was in suspended animation for quite a while. I, that was the only challenge in this record was that the songs had been open for two years. I mean, I was listening to... to files that were two years old, you know, by the time this record came out. So putting it out in waves allowed me to finish it in waves too. Like I wasn't all done with it and was like, let's just put four out at a time. I was like, I got four for you now. (laughs) (laughs) So let's hear this one here. Why start with this one? It was the first one that was done. Really? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was, it was the first. So I had played a little bit of cat and mouse with people for a bunch of different reasons. And some of it I didn't mean to be as evasive musically as I became. And I felt like this was the song that was like, hey, I'm not gone. It's a Friday. Talked up to the post. Friday. Did you like it? Like a good radio guy. Yeah. yeah. Right up to the post. <laughs> you ever try to do that? You ever hop in and try to do the radio thing where you talk up the song ramps? Oh, yeah. I do it in the car. Oh, you do it. <laughs> if a song comes on, okay. you, you just nail it. Did you it? see how hard I hit that? Yeah, can but can you do your own? Give yeah. me any one of them, I'll do it. Okay, any one of your songs? I'll talk right up to the post. All right. I mean, <laughs> here, let's go back to your first ever. Here we go. Ready? Three, okay. two, and. It's some kind of temperature time out there in Nashville today. Sitting in the studio with John Mayer. Been a while since he's been here with us. We're going to talk to him right after this. But this is a song from his very first record. It's No Such a Thing by John Mayer. Check it out. No! Oh, Yeah, like three seconds left. Oh, you but that, that was where there was going to be a John Mayer show. No. Oh, you were going to do the imaging. <laughs> no, nah, all right. If I tried it, though. That was good. All I right. came pretty close. You did. How about... What if I really knew the temperature, though? That would have been awesome. If you had nailed the temperature? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Improved uh, the temperature. Whenever, uh, when you're recording this record, do you have, like, Steve and Pino do the record with you, or do you just bring them out and play? Uh, I would write as much as I could and have them come and then kind of flesh out the tunes. And then when we were done with that, I'd be like, hey, stay around for an hour or two. And then we'd kind of do this thing called free play, which is where you just set up and, you know, you t- I take advantage of you know, being able to jam with those guys anytime they're around. So we set up, I go, set up the mics, let's try something. And, and for an hour or two, I try to find something in the universe with those guys in the same room. But most of the time, it's uh, me writing something, getting it good enough to where they can come in and play on it. And then they, they're pretty much the finishing touches on it. It seemed to me having gone to a show and I think I've been to I mean I'll show you my nerdiness a little bit I think I've been to 15 mayor well, shows not think he has yeah I've been to around, around that many shows <laughs> so I'm a pretty big fan thank you uh, you're welcome free though I didn't pay for many of the tickets <laughs> okay, like Lee is the since what Lee 2000 
three or four. You've been hooking me up. Why did you pay for the one in Minneapolis? Because, well, I didn't pay for the tickets, but I, I flew up there and paid for the trip. And then Lee was like, I got your tickets. Don't worry. Got it. Better, I got better seats. <laughs> oh, the truth comes out. No, you no. Weren't, I you bought weren't standing worse seats. in line. I bought worse seats. And then he gave me front row seats. You weren't standing outside the Coconuts record store. That's true. I wasn't. So... Okay, back to my question. What was my question? Well, you were explaining that you have oh, I know. 15 shows. You look the happiest when you're playing in the trio during this show. Any truth to that? Um, Probably, yeah. There's a freedom to that that nobody's really quite sure what we're going to do. Three super capable guys who, aren't, who didn't talk about what they were going to do before they got on stage to do it. Uh, so anybody could start it. Sometimes I'll just stand there and all of a sudden you'll just hear, and I'll go, okay, Steve's starting it. It's like, it's, it's the, it's like total freedom. Also, it's like you can kind of embrace the fact that that's what that band is. You, you don't have to worry about whether it's going to be, a, whether you're playing a song that people know from the radio or whether you're playing a, whether people are tired of hearing this or whether they want to hear that. They're kind of resigned to like, you're playing three songs with this power trio that they're probably not going to really totally know unless they're like super fans. So I have fun in that freedom for three songs. It's like, look, you're going to get this super powerful blues trio thing. I always think about Marty McFly saying like, uh, you might not understand that, but your kids are going to love it. That's how I, I feel like I'm <laughs> a big chairman under moment. the sea dance. There are times I look out into the crowd and I see some of the, the people who are not totally initiated into the blues rock thing. And I feel like I'm Marty McFly at the enchantment under the sea dance in 1955. And they don't and they get it. probably don't get who Marty McFly is either at the same time. They would also oh, not get the reference. That would be. What a shame that would be. <laughs> I know. I hope, I hope it becomes a Citizen Kane reference in the next 10, 15 years. A, a good Back to the Future reference. If it's not understood, I'm not sure we have a connection. John Mayer is here now. <laughs> so I'm buds with the guys from the Zach Brown band and Clay Cook. Yeah. And so, and I know the story, but you and Clay were at Berkeley together. Mm-hmm. And Clay was like, hey, you know, let's move down to Atlanta and you and Clay kind of had a duo together for a sure. while, right? Yep. That's how we started. That's how I started right out of college was playing in an acoustic duo. And so you move down to Atlanta. And so why Atlanta of all places? He had, Clay had family in Atlanta and said, I think we can do, and he said there was a great music scene down there, which he was absolutely right. He did have family and he, was, he wasn't lying about either family and a music scene. So uh, we moved down there and just started doing open mic nights and writing and, you know, he, he that's how I got my start in music was following him down to Atlanta. We lived in Snellville, Georgia. Are you on the radio in Snellville, Georgia? Where everybody's somebody. That's the name. That's the catchphrase oh. for the town. Is it snail like the snail, the bug? Or? Snell, but it's pronounced Snailville. But it's Snellville, S-N-E-L-L-ville. Oh. So you guys moved to Atlanta and you write a lot of things together. Yeah, we wrote, uh, we, had, we, had, we had written, you know, five, six songs at that point. We're still trying to put it all together. So you guys decide to go your own different ways. Is that a big decision for you two? Yes. Yeah. Well, no one's ever cared about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, falling out. We had a falling out. Be- creatively? Did you... Part of it. That was part of it. Uh, the part that I can attest to um, is that I have, pretty, I have pretty big feet, pretty strong head. I don't think anybody could have been in a duo with me at that time. That's the part that I can take responsibility for, is that I probably wasn't extremely collaborative. I was, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think I was a, a, a strong group worker. What were your roles in that duo? Because yeah, everybody's got their role inside of a team. 
he was um and still is hyper musical, incredible musical mind. Um, and we were also, by the way, complete. We're 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 really good friends now. I mean, we have. I've seen you play with them before, so I'm now. assuming now you guys are cool. Pure closeness. Yeah. These are two kids who are the stars of their town, the musical stars of their town, coming together. Obviously, seeing something in one another that they identify with, making music together, but never having really given over to someone else. And probably shouldn't have two really strong solo kind of mindsets coming together to collaborate. And where I think if you're if you're still going, well, it doesn't add up. Uh, put me in his life as a guest. And it gets a little strange. It's like two people sharing a birthday. You know, it's like he, I was I, I entered his entire social life, you know. And I think there was an identity thing of like, wait, what's mine and what's yours? And, and again, taking responsibility for it. Um, I have very big shoes. I'm not necessarily subtle, it's spe- especially at that age. You, you didn't want to mess around with young John. You don't want to mess around with 19-year-old John Mayer who just figured out that the world is bendable and he's out to just destroy it, you know? So you decide to move to California, like to make it? Well, I'd, 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 interestingly enough, like... Most of my team came out of that time in Atlanta, you know, and then I moved to New York and then I kind of, that began the sort of jumping around thing for me. Like I'm still jumping around. Yeah. Cause you have a house and I, where's your dog by the way? Cause I'll watch on social media. Yeah. This is kidding. No, this is my, that's a real question. <laughs> okay. yeah. Does your dog stay in Montana? My dog does not stay in Montana. This, this is what happened. <laughs> Got a dog. Wanted to have a dog on the road, road dog. Uh, a dear friend of mine happens to be an incredible dog trainer. She took my dog, trained my dog, uh, turned into a perfect beast. And then I was like, okay, I'm take my dog on the road. Dog hates music. <laughs> hates music. Oh, no. He thinks it's like thunder. <laughs> like thunderstorm. So he's trembling in the dressing room. First night, I think Red Rocks was like the first place we were like, okay, well, I got a dog. Let's do this. Cowering in the corner. Also, like when he's home with me, if I pick up a guitar and plug it in and start playing it, he does the funniest thing. Like he doesn't want to offend me, but he like slowly slinks his two front paws off the couch and just waddles out of the room because I'm playing music. (laughs) So it wasn't going to work, but it turned out that my dog trainer, she loved him so much. And she said, well, he's a part of our family too. So I'll be the mommy. And I thought that's awesome. So my dog lives a better life than I do. He lives in Brentwood, California. And I pick him up. It's like doggy daycare, but it's months long. Sounds more like custody, like a split it's custody. It's joint custody. Yeah. Of, okay. uh, yes. So, but, but I've heard of people doing that. I know singers who do that, you know, they try to get a dog and it's a very noble idea to get a dog. Hey, I'm growing up. I want to get, I want to get something to take care of and have responsibility for. And then you realize that it would be you taking the elevator down to the street level in Denver, Colorado at seven in the morning to make it go potty. So it's it's a wonderful thought. <laughs> I always wondered that. I was like, "Where's the dog?" Oh, yeah, the dog. It was interesting. I pick up the dog on my way out to Montana, and we get to know each other again on the plane, and then and we're then we're there. And he he's got fifteen acres like of a pure dog park. You don't have to take him out. It's great. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a black lab, so he doesn't want to run too far. He, there are bears, though. Yeah, there are. Yeah, I've seen the Snapchats. There was a bear in my yard a couple summers ago. I'm I'm scared of bears, man. I'll walk outside, cross the driveway in the dark, and just 
was totally scared of bears. I, I, I know a couple of people in my life who like walk out in the dark and they're totally scared of bears. Bears are scary. I mean, they sell bear pepper spray at the supermarket, and if you go hiking, you're supposed to bring bear pepper spray. I have a feeling in your demographic, there's plenty of people who have with them as they listen to this bear pepper spray. Do you know what you're supposed to do if you encounter a bear? Play dead or run or scream? I think it's different for each bear. <laughs> it actually is. It, uh, I think yeah. it's different for each person, too. It's different for each bear. Uh, well, you need to be prepared. You're supposed to be prepared. You're supposed to have bear pepper spray. I think if you see bear poop, you're supposed to sort of get out of there. If you see, <laughs> if you, see you know, there's oh. things that I've heard. But I've heard, I've heard things like, like a bear will maul you but not kill you. And then, like, you think it's left, but it's just hiding under some leaves, just watching you die or just watching you be injured there like these bears are serious they're, they're not messing around this is true the, the bear will ma- maim you and then sort of hide and watch you you just said you heard and now you're saying it's true you've converted in like two sentences this, are, this is fact yeah because i have i have people who i trust in me around my life and they've told you that a bear will attack you and then watch you yeah a, a, a bear will attack you i think a grizzly will attack you bring you to the edge of death and then watch you, and if you get up, then it will kill you and eat you then. So it's like oh, no. Game of Thrones okay. in Montana. Yes, it's yes. the Revenant yes. in Montana. Uh, do you have a Facebook page or something? People can verify this. Uh, no. they can. Don't worry. They will. Every bit of it. I feel really good about this information. John Mayer, hanging out. All right, let me talk about Blue Apron for a second. So I love Blue Apron. Do you know who love loves Blue Apron is Lunchbox? Yes. How many times do you eat Blue Apron a week? Three times a week. See, I'll have it once. Twice. Lunch eats like pretty much every meal just about he's at home. It's so easy. I mean, it comes to my front door and I've already got the recipe. I just pull it out. And sometimes I can even surprise my wife and cook it myself. Is that what you do? Is that the move? Yeah, that's the move. I act like I'm a chef, and but she knows I use Blue Apron, but it's still a cool surprise. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. There's a lot of variety. Like what? Like what would you have? Uh, we had some spicy beef tacos this week. We also Dang. had some uh, potato salad and chicken tenders. Dang. Mmm, so good. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Blueapron.com slash Bobby. Yeah, you'll love how good it feels, how good it tastes. Blueapron.com slash Bobby. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Blueapron.com slash Bobby. All right, back in the studio. John Mayer is here with us today. Let me play you this song here. I like this one. Rosie. Yeah, it's my Hall & Oates jam. The Philly soul thing. Gonna talk up to the post again. But it's right. a guitar. Would you talk up to the guitar solo or, or the vocal? Depends what format you're in. So, if I, listen, I did rock for a while. Would you have talked over this next... I would have talked over the whole thing. I'd have been like, hey... Until the vocal. Yeah, I would be like, hey, we're John Mayer. We get, we're, keep going. we're gonna play a whole... Seven songs in a row, John Mayer. We're here all morning long. He's going like, tonight at Bridge. It's like karaoke, 64 <laughs> bars, instrumental. Yeah, and then they you just stand there with a, your friends? I would... That's very vocal. It's almost its own hook. It's its own hook. But I'd probably talk over it, No, I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'd probably talk over it. Well, let's give a listen uh, to Rosie right now. Check it out. Rosie, come down and get Proud of yourself on that one? Yeah, I had to make up for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm drunk again, remember when we used to be. It's fluffy. Who do you run your songs by? You write one, you go, hey, what do you think of this? Boom. Who, who's that person? Me. Yeah? I know. And and even there's even people I, I run my songs by and they go, that's great. And I go, no, it's not. 
So it's me. Like, again, big feet, big strong head. Most of it's most of it's in house. I don't necessarily. Yeah, I don't. I'm not, I don't necessarily collaborate very well, but I kind of know. I I kind of know what I know. I don't finish songs that aren't. I think strong enough to make records. I don't usually have any extra songs left over that aren't. You know, don't have parts falling off of them, or when I'm done with an album. So I know. Like I, I know what makes a me song now and what doesn't. And there are even good song ideas that I have, like really cool things. I listen back to it and I go, I don't buy it. Like I know myself well enough now that like I can do more stuff than I should be than I should do. Like I can do more stuff with a guitar or with a band or with uh, drum programming than I than than I should have as an I you know as music that's called my music. So it's really weird. It has to pass like a lot of te- I I call it like it's like a four quadrant test like. Is it good? Do I like it? Which is different than is it good, right? So you can you can have a song that's good that you don't like. You can have a song you like that's not good. Is it me? That's the third. So it can be good and you like it, but if it's not you, then you're like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I really want this to be my thing. And the fourth question is like, do I want to play this every night as I go on tour? And if it passes all four of those questions then I know it's a really good song. I don't know what a hit is anymore, but I know what is one of those songs where you're like, oh, this is bulletproof. Let's go around the world with this. And Rosie, it's like anywhere you go. People, they don't necessarily like cheer for the recognition of the tune, but they cheer because like it feels so good, you know? So I'm pretty good about being my own A&R guy. Do you play all your instruments on your demos? Yes. Yes, I do. And sometimes that's tricky because the ignorance of my playing a certain instrument that I don't really play predominantly adds to the um, the certain uh, je ne sais quoi of it. And uh, and then you bring a really great musician in and then you got to be like, will, will you play it a little dumber? <laughs> You're like, will you do it with just your left hand? They're like, um, Can I hit you in the head once with a vase? And then can you do it? I, I, I go with the vase. I don't say vase. I'm fancy. And... Uh, so I have people try and replicate that kind of half half awake kind of way of playing. What is your day like? Because you wake up at what time? Uh, depending Touring. on the time zone. Touring. Yeah, depending on the time zone, like anywhere between 10 and noon, depending on the time zone. And you do what when you wake up? I dive into like the excitement of the day via Instagram, Twitter, text, email and I do I go around and around for like an hour you know like I was thinking this literally yesterday if you want to offend most of the world with how good you have life you don't you wouldn't talk about like how much money you have you would talk about how you haven't been like underslept in months (laughs) like you could say like yeah I have a G4 jet people be like yeah good for you you'd be like I haven't woken up tired in a month. People would be like, how dare you? How dare you go around? So I don't really wake up tired. I just wake up at whatever time I have to wait. My body says to so wake So no up. alarm clock. No. That's amazing. You wake up whenever your eyes open. Yeah. I, I ha- That's the only way to do this for a living. The only way to do it for a living is to sleep has to come first. Sleep is like water. If you're in the, the, the survivalism of it, you have to have sleep. I quit drinking so I don't have to deal with hangovers. And I'm, I'm a dangerous man without a hangover. Why'd you quit drinking? Two things. Voice. And I knew that if I wanted to not cancel shows 
for either health or mental health that I was going to have to be um, excited every time I woke up, to be honest with you. And I'd have to be fully portable as a human being. And we've all been hung over on an airplane. Those are long flights. Those are long, sweaty, trembly flights. So I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to go. Like I'm like psyched. Do you um, still practice at all? Like, do you practice? Very good question. <laughs> um, I think that I'm about to practice. And then I plug in and I'm like, nah, I'm still good. <laughs> <laughs> and then I put oh, it down. Okay. And then I put it down. Because oh. I've already started, like, when I was younger, I practiced. But now, like, I play with the best musicians in the world. Like, in the world. That I can brag about. And then to go home alone and play without that sound, you're like, it's more like, yeah, just checking. Still good. Put it down. <laughs> and then go do something else. Like, what am I going to practice? <laughs> I play. So, like, play. what's your hobby? If, I mean, not, that's, uh, that's your job, but like, what do you do with all this? Like you, you wake up when you want, I, you don't I, have to practice. I, I, like I burn large swaths of time just to kill it. Just I'm a murderer of time. You've been on the road before. You're, you're, you're just trying to get to the show. The show we love, the show matters. And you're trying to basically encase yourself in a protective seal in between shows and do whatever it takes so that you're rested and you're healthy. And for me, I'm not necessarily into the Anthony Bourdain of life. Like, uh, oh, I have an off day. Oh, what kind of food they have here? Oh, let's get it. I'm like, no, I, I pump the room to like 75 degrees, stay in my pajamas all day, use every towel. <laughs> That's what I say. Use every towel. Cleaning ladies come in. I just, I call them the, the bad idea cleanup crew. They just come on in and they, used every towel? Yes, I did. <laughs> did you use this one as a napkin? Yes, I did. You ever use a bath towel as a napkin, Bobby, in a, in a hotel room? Yes, I have. And, a, clean, we, and a Kleenex. Yeah. yeah. Both. Wow. No, no, I've blown, oh, I call it the everything towel. It's the, <laughs> I call it the luxury Kleenex. I get you, man. I, I get it. That's what, the like things I, paid I, for, do, I paid for the room. Well, that's why we are horrible, horrible people in the hotel room. Because they leave those little notes to be conscious of, you know, the earth and yeah. use one towel. Yeah, a towel on the rack means I'll use it again. A towel in the bathtub means... Uh, a towel with barbecue sauce on it means I hate my life. <laughs> I also feel like they don't change the comforter anyway, so we're even. Well, I can tell when they change the comforter. Some places I'll put the note up. It says your comforter has been changed. Yeah. I think the note just stays up. <laughs> I think they just put the note back up there. I don't believe oh, it. Oh, listen. Hotel life is bit rich. Continue. What does that mean? <laughs> it means you just run bits about hotels all day. <laughs> um, yeah, so... I, so uh, we're, we're having the debate in this room before you came in, and you may not want to answer this. Which song are you just tired of playing? Um, I'm tired of playing Waiting on the World to Change. Boom! Oh. What did I say? Pay up! <laughs> Why, that I would have one or that it would be Waiting on the that World That it would be that one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it is? I have a whole different reason. Why do you think it is? I have a reason I'm tired of hearing it. Why do you have a reason? Oh, that's funny. Let's go. Let's boogie. Let's boogie. Here we go. I'm leaning into this. Go one. ahead. Now, why do you, why are you tired of playing it? Um, it's it's honest to God. It's just a tactile thing. It's just after a while. Like, by the way, you're gonna be like, oh, well, I hated the message. I was like, I just didn't like the way it felt in my hand. Um, it's right outside of my range. Like when I had vocal surgery, uh, that I had a procedure, and like it 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 cost me like two or three notes. And I needed those notes for waiting on the world to change. So I kind of kind of have to sneak around it. So it's not exact. It never really was the most comfortable thing to sing. So weirdly enough, like all the songs that became very popular are, are very difficult to sing for me. Meanwhile, all I wanted to do was like have a hit with like, who says I can't get stoned? Just wake up at five in the morning, and be able to do it. And uh, so it's out of my range. It's also musically um, 
pretty pretty circular, you know. So there's not a ton of room in it. It's it you, you kind of get into it. You have to say your piece and then get out. It's not necessarily uh, meant for exploring the musical space of the song. Now you go. Why don't you like waiting in the world to change anymore? I feel like it's not in your range anymore. Like you lost a couple notes. Are you so, kidding? Or are you just saying? Exactly? I'm, I'm, li- I'm just okay, lying. Okay. I'm mirroring your. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know no, which I'm one I was going to like more. No, that I was right. This or is the you... true. The true. An- because on that record, I feel like that's the one song that is different than all the rest mm-hmm. sonically. Mm-hmm. I listened to that whole album, and I'm like, man, that one could probably go on a couple other records. That might be true, but also. It's. And I felt like it was a radio song. Did you write that to be on the radio? No. Uh, you know, talk about running it by somebody. A dear friend of mine at the time, I sent it to her, and she said, "I don't hear it. I don't think it's." And I, I went, "I think it's huge. I think it's going to be huge." It's. I don't really hear it. I don't think it's going to be huge. I'm weird when it comes to hits, man. Like I don't know what makes a song of mine a hit. I have a feeling it's like there's something in. Like you do stand up. Uh, you know, like your middle funny joke to you is your funniest joke to the crowd. So I don't. I never know what joke's gonna be the funniest. It's the one I, that that you're the least excited about. Like it's your throwaway. Yeah. They love it's the accidental That's or right. the throwaway. Yeah, because you're interested in the upper ranges of your mind. Like, how can I be more clever? How can I be more interesting? And then somewhere in your in your middle is where the crowd kind of grabs onto what you're saying. Like the crowd probably applauds, and you go, you go like, oh that, oh you like that. Okay, because that really didn't feel like anything coming out of my head. It's the same thing with music. It's like all the stuff where I'm like, oh my God, this is so complex and interesting and people are going to love it. Like they kind of don't. It's the stuff that for me, I feel like is a little bit, um, it bores me just the slightest bit. And that's what we love. It becomes (laughs) like whatever I find boring in it, people find accessible in it. Here's the joke I'm thinking about the opera tonight. Tell me it's funny. Yeah. Okay. I haven't used it yet. Yeah. We'll have to bleep it out. Okay. You see the guy that got caught pleasuring himself with the movies to the emoji. Movies? Yes, this is good. That's well, not that good. I, <laughs> no, I mean it's a good. It's a good. Right. Everyone is freaking out about the guy doing that to himself in the theater. I'm just wondering which emoji he thought was super hot. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's a setup. That's not a. That's not a punchline yet. It's still a setup. Right. So then you break it down. Is it the salsa lady? There you go. No, so then I go through the break. thing. There, and then at go. the end, I end up with the purple. It's, yeah. The zucchini. There's a lot the of places. Eggplant. 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 It's the right. eggplant. Is it the poop emoji? Right. But I don't think people are like, that's funny as I start rolling through emojis. Like, I think that's funny. It's funny if you can break it out. And I'm, I hate that I'm on your radio show telling you how to be funny. That's okay, because I'm telling you what songs I think are, there are we good. Go. So we're all good. <laughs> there we're we're go. in a good place. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think as long as you just, like, there's a place to go there. Sure. Like, go, get in, basically, you're talking about emojis. represented as a fetishist. Do I like the crying girl? Because maybe there, I do. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. But see, that's a whole, I probably can't tell that at the Which operate. emoji, if you had only one, it, it, like, what do you think? If somebody has a gun to your head and they're like, you have to pleasure yourself to an emoji. What? Yeah. What's the one you're going to pick and be like, look, I'll make do? The police girl. <laughs> see? That's, yeah, the that's, po- yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I should join you on, on stage at the Opry. We have a thing going. Come out. We, we riff on that. Two mics. And you're police girl. Yeah. Two mics. Yeah. yeah. That, by the way, you and Chappelle do that. You, yeah, did, you did it in San Francisco. We did it in San Francisco, Atlanta. We're going we're gonna to do some more. We did Red Rocks in Colorado. What do you do, though? Like, uh, so... I go on stage and I play for like 25, 30 minutes. He comes out and he's, he's working on his new hour. He's almost done with his new hour, which is phenomenal. And then he calls me out and I'm sort of a DJ 
it's like two guys at a party who found a guitar and I'm the DJ of like a joke DJ. So he loves music. Dave loves to like joke about songs and he, he just, he's almost like a, the savant where he's almost, he's, he's a musical MC as well. It's really strange. Like he's performing music, but he's not singing. It's really hard to explain, but he's, he's a genius and obviously. And so we throw ideas back and forth and I can kind of play anything if I've ever heard it before. So he can throw a song to me and I just kind of know it. So it's a little bit like he throws a song idea to me. I do it. And he works it into this brilliant, like basically it's like watching the Chappelle show. So it's like jazz with jokes. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and we have little, we're starting to develop things that we know work. So it's like, it's like a, it's like two people thinking with the same brain now, like, like the way you build a file cabinet of jokes in your head we're building a file cabinet of jokes based on songs. Like there's a footloose joke that's just super funny because I'm I'm playing the footloose lick. And with his mind, he takes it into, you know, uh, how out of place that would be, uh, you know, in the quote unquote hood, you know. The quote unquote hood. <laughs> what song when you start do you get the biggest pot from? When you... First, first note, second note. You know note. what's really weird? In keeping with the conversation of like, who knows what makes a hit of mine or whether people, like, slow dancing in a burning room, man. Like, I play slow dancing in a burning room, and if you had never heard any of my music, you'd be like, oh, was this his massive hit? You're like, no, deep album track. And it wasn't even a single. It wasn't even a single. I mean, there are things about me that I don't envy other people for having to work with. And one of those things is like, I don't put records out where you're like, oh yeah. Like, first of all, I'm not technically a pop artist. Like, I don't hand in a record where people are like, oh, this is a smash. This is a smash. It's hard to be my record company. Like, not that I think that they've been like, brilliant this time out. But we do live in an ever-shifting landscape. But uh, <laughs> it's it's really hard to be my record company. I give 12 songs to you. Four of them are like R&B bangers. Four of them are like, uh, you know, like what someone else would call a sappy acoustic ballad, you know. So I don't really know what makes a hit. But this is my new record, The Project. Oh, that's a, the Lindsay L. record. Yeah. That's, so can we get a shout out of my new record, The Project? And part it of it was because, you know, they didn't really recognize me on the, on the cover. But this is who I, this is my new record. I went by Lindsay L. And uh, can we play a cut off that? Sure. No, uh, sure can. Here you go. So yeah, so there it is. This this is a great recording. Isn't it? you asking me like seriously? Yeah, it's a great. Love it. It's a great recording. Yeah. What's the difference? Why you say recording? I just hear a song. The way the way it was engineered, it's it's gorgeous. It's the best. That's the gravity's the best record. Like you know, it's the difference between song of the year, record of the year, yeah. the Grammys. Like that's this isn't this is a quite a record. This is how spare it is. If I stop talking, well now I'm just gonna keep going because we're so close. Now but really key it. into the record, especially the vocals. This is Gravity from Continuum. Check it out. When I went to when I went to a show in Minneapolis, you didn't play it. I was sad, and I know you get that every it's show because so you can't play everything. Well, I, well, no, but you saw me at the beginning of this tour where I was like, I, I'm going to just play whatever I want, and the crowd uh, was adamant that I play Gravity. So we added Gravity back in every night. Great. And that's cool. Look, it's cool to be that artist where you know there are things that people identify with you so so much that you have to play them. I, I dig it, and and I'll play Gravity every night for the rest of my life. Like that's a song I'll never get tired of. Really? Yeah, no, there's something about it. It's simple, but you can insert however you feel, and gravity can be different every day. When you when you sing to it, it can be emotional gravity, it can be your time spent uh, in space, if you, if you 
Literal gravity. Yeah, I don't know. The movie with George Clooney. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Amy, what's your favorite song off the new record? Oh, well, you know, I have the one about. She doesn't know any words to it. She just knows parts of it. No, I know about how. I just think it's really, really clever about how you keep the shampoo in the shower in case and romantic. Like, I think every girl sort of would 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 want a guy to to sing that for her. I got that. sticky hands, man. It's hard <laughs> hard getting hard getting out for me. It's it's, it's good. But I mean, this song. No dude wants to have to write this song though. Yeah, but he's both being vulnerable. This song's Sorry, this Enjoy song. it. The you love it? Listen, no one knew what to do with it, but listen. I know because she told me What do you, you give the song to like, and this leads in the, in the blood conversation. Like, if you're a station that's like a AAA station, you play John Mayer music, and all of a sudden Columbia's like, hey, here's the next John Mayer song. Like, it doesn't fit anyone's radio station. But does it have to fit? Because I'm a guy, I don't, I don't think, think so. everything I'm has to you. fit radio. I think nothing has to fit radio. I'm with you, man. I mean, I, maybe that's why we're still filling the places up with people's because I, I'm not following this sort of format rule, you know? Like, I put mixtapes out, I feel like. So, Listen to that, though. Mm-hmm. And you're here for a reason because you have a song. And I remember I went to your show and I was talking. And by the way, Lee Leibsner is your guy. Do you want to explain who he is? Lee Leibsner uh, died in 1941 and has come back as a ghost to set things straight. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just pitching movie ideas now. <laughs> Lee, for thir- 13, year- 13 years or so, like Lee has been... In one way or another, with you, champion, my champion of the stuff that I make. He, I, I there are times he probably uh, doesn't see where a song could work, and promptly stuffs that thought deep, deep, deep down inside him, and and returns back with the thought that this song can be huge, and goes out and fights for it. I mean, there's a guy who I've uh, funniest thing he ever said in his life was about still feel like your man, because I thought that it could change stuff. Like I, I, I always believe that a song can change a format. A song can change people's thinking. And we're backstage at Madison Square Garden. Columbia's there. And this is right before Still Feel Like Your Band comes out. And I looked at him. We had just finished a hug, but now we've got hands on each other's shoulders. And I said, I really believe in Still Feel Like Your Man. And he said, and we know that you do. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was just absolutely the funniest thing. That a record company, like the funny, if there was, if there was a Curb Enthusiasm style show about my life, I would write that in and that would be in the trailer. It's hilarious. And we know that you do. That's a guy who can't lie, man. It was amazing. But listen to the jam. Three oh, I days, think it's the jam. Three days. Three away. days I lost my mind and I was only thinking about this song. Three days in a trance. What do you do in a trance? You're only about bringing the song to life. I was in my therapist's office. And I said, I still feel like her. I still feel like her man. And I went, oh, no, here we go. And I got in the car. I wrote down, still, I still feel like your man. And I looked at that title and I went, if we play our cards right, that is a major song. I, I had felt like, and I immediately Googled the title, I still feel like your man. Because I thought someone must have had this idea. Whenever I have a good idea, I'm not even excited about it. I get immediately frightened that someone else has already had that good idea. So I Google that good idea. No search results. That's when I got even more excited. And I went, okay. I'm, I'm actually getting right now like excited 
my heart is racing as I talk about this because this is about how you sneak up on an, on an idea like trying to catch a greasy pig. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, there it is. Let's not sing it too soon. Let's not just throw some BS cliche stuff on this idea. And for, for a whole day, I didn't sing. Still feel like you're man. I didn't make a note with it because I knew that whatever I sang, I was going to start getting attached to. And I don't want to get attached to a dumb idea for Still Feel Like Your Man. So now I just have sheets of paper and I'm typing all different ideas about Still Feel Like Your Man. And I don't just think. And then I was in the shower and I was like, could I do it like a Prince ballad? I still feel like your man. You know, no, that's going to be shallow. Okay, don't don't even sing it. Don't even sing it. And then I'd already written this idea, this chord changes. And then one day I went in the studio and it was the greatest luck in the world that this one idea that I'd written musically locked in with this Still Feel Like Your Man thing. And it became this like weird, I called it ancient Japanese R&B. If you listen to it, it's like super staccato and clean. Like I'd never heard anything like it come from me. And so for the next three days, I did nothing but enter like this. It's hard to explain, but it's true. If you can feel it, you're a little bit not on earth. You're like half of you is in another place. And for three days, I did nothing but bring this song into my life. And I listened to a lot of Marvin Gaye. There's definitely like some Marvin Gaye thing happening in the tune that I, I didn't want to block. And when I was done with it, I had this really interesting jam that's like hopeful, but also like has the saddest line I've ever written. I literally cried when I wrote, I still keep your shampoo in my shower in case you want to wash your hair. That's the saddest lyric I've ever written in my life. Think of how much desperation is in that line. She's not coming to wash her hair at your house. It's over. But the idea of keeping the torch lit where you say, well, I'm keeping it there. It's like, you know, there's like this dog in Japan. And the dog had an owner. And the owner would go to the train every day. And the dog would follow the owner to the train and then be there at the exact time the owner came back from work off the train. The dog would be waiting on the train platform. Then one day the owner died and the dog still waited at that platform for his owner for years until the dog passed away. I love that story. It is true. There's a statue of the dog where the dog once stood himself. And I very much in breakups feel like the statue of that dog. <laughs> Not even the dog. I feel like the statue of the dog. Oh my God. It's a fantastic story. Yeah. Thank you. To that, I take a drink of water. Yeah. See, but where you, I saw hope in you keeping the shampoo there. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I saw a loserness. Yeah, like okay, me. but like that's yeah. going on. But I think that's, lo I think it's lovely. Everybody yeah. is different. Like for me, I was like, oh, that's so vulnerable. And it is. There's oh, it's vulnerable. There. But I felt like but, me, uh, like I would do that. Hope. Yeah. Because what if that, she does come back and wash her come back? Be, She'd be like, dang, you still got my shampoo. Yeah, yeah. The shower is a very vulnerable place, you know? And, and you stare at it as this sort of totem it's still life. It's the last, it's like someone's shampoo is what they use in their most intimate, solitary moments. And they've brought their shampoo to your place and they've left it there because the implication is I'm going to be here so often. It's worth my time to place some shampoo here and get some more for myself because I really feel like I'm going to take, you know, set up shop here. And then it doesn't end up working out. But the shampoo, they're like the kids of divorce. The shampoo and conditioner are like children of divorce. And how do you break it to the kids? 
And they're the ones that suffer. Yeah. yeah. I have a feeling you and I could bullshit wow. our, for six <laughs> hours straight. Let me, let me, I got a couple more because uh, we're running out of time here. How about this? The, the fact that you see colors when you play. I don't have synesthesia. And people, okay, that's the that's word on no, the street. People, no, people. Somebody. Um, Why would someone fake that to about you then? Well, pe- people misinterpret my metaphors a lot, which is easily done. And uh, I don't have synesthesia. I have a, probably some um, interpretive form of synesthesia. S- synesthesia, by the way, is uh, some people have a clinical. I don't know if I'd call it a disorder. It was a gift of sorts, whereby words and sounds actually are interpreted as colors in their brain. I have it, but not visually. I'm pretty close to. It. I have relative synesthesia. Like, so you what could, are you seeing when you're playing a solo? What are you seeing in your head? How are your numbers, uh, colors, muscle memory? What is it? Shapes, colors. Uh, geometry. That's actually, man, you're a very good interviewer. Like so, you're asking really interesting, untrodden on questions that are exciting to answer. Uh, the way that I do it is tons and tons and tons of streams of possibilities of shapes. What's where? Where does it go? And I've done it for so long now that a lot of that data has sort of dissolved, and it's all feeling now. I just know where it is. I just, it's very Jedi now. Like I just know where it is. And it's, sometimes I don't know how I know. It'll be different every single night, but I found some weird confluence of what I know and what I don't know, but what I'm pretty sure is going to be there. And it's more fun than ever to play guitar because I'm not playing it like a student of guitar anymore. Like I'm, I'm just sort of forgetting it all. It's like a photographer wouldn't think about like what F stop they're at. You just start shooting after a certain period of time. Is it easier to go for a jog or to play a solo? Because I feel like the so when you move your hands, it's yeah. just happening. It's just happening at this point. I, it, it's a whole. It's I, I got I, you know. It's its own other world. You know. Whereas you run, you have to be somewhat conscious of your steps. Yeah. Are you conscious of your hands? No. And there are sometimes when I'm playing, I like I look down at my hands and I go. What is any of this? Like, as I'm playing, I'm like, what is any of this stuff? You know, like you've said the word mustard 12 times in a row. You're like, is it mustard? Oh, yeah, Mustard. Yeah, yeah. This is a weird word. No, no, mustard. no. I did it the other day with certain. Certain. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, did I ever really hear the word certain or did I just kind of ignore it for, did I ever really pay attention to the word certain? Certain. Mustard. Certain. Mustard. It's a certain it's mustard, a, isn't it? Yes. It's <laughs> a real certain mustard. It is. <laughs> Let me hear one more thing. Uh... So you went out and you played with the Dead and Company, yeah, which uh, is fantastic. But I, I wondered how two things: one, you had to learn a lot of songs, a lot of songs, yeah, and two, you had to learn them so good because you're playing with, you know, one of the with greatest a, yeah. ever. Yeah, playing a big shadow. So, yeah. what's that pressure like as compared to John Mayer pressure? Because it seems like it would be bigger. I think I always knew that it was. Sorry, I'm not on mic. I always. I think that I always knew it was in my heart, like I could do it. I knew that I couldn't do it the day I said that I could do it, or that the day I said I was going to do it. But I knew in my heart that I had that that I could somehow do something to it and with it that would be valuable. So I remember looking at it like, okay, this is this might be in October. It's like April now. And I looked at the number of days that I had. I looked at the number of songs there were to learn. And I went, all right, that's three a day. Let's go. You know, And I just knew in my heart, you know, it's like 
people ask me sometimes, like, will you do this documentary about this person's life? Because we know you like them. And I go like, well, I like them, but I don't know what to say. Like, I don't really have anything to say. It's like, doesn't, it doesn't really reverberate inside of me. So I don't really know if I can talk about it or like, I'll have anything to say about it. The topic of Grateful Dead music for me at that time was like, I want nothing but to think about it, talk about it. So I knew that it had taken some sort of purchase inside of me on a deeper level than anything ever had. And all I had to do was just take it day by day. And I felt like with my knowledge of the guitar and I think understanding where the music was coming from, even if I didn't necessarily have that myself, like I could play genealogist, like I could, I could figure out the DNA. I looked at it like a contractor looking at like an empty space going like, yeah, I can, I can build you a, I can build this out. You can't eat here now, but in six months, I think I can think I can build this. And it was really cool to become a student. I didn't tour. I didn't make a dime. Uh, I wasn't out in the world making a name for myself. I sat at home for six months and learned those songs, which I was already learning. It wasn't like I um, had forced myself to like something. I, I, what a perfect thing that I was already in the midst of learning these songs on my own just as a listener. And it it was like at a certain point in my career where, where you think that I'd be done learning, it was like going to school for the first time again. And that was really good for me to not feel as if, well, this is your life, John. You spend, you see, you just basically play your own music till you die. Like that doesn't excite me. It will maybe at some point when I'm like, look, I got a wife and kids. I don't necessarily want to reinvent the wheel, but it brought so much more complexity to the life of a guy like me who craves complexity and gets not bored, but complacent really quickly. It was like a whole new world that I could discover and every day was exciting. And it still is with those guys. It's incredibly exciting. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad this all worked out to where you could come in. I, the day I came back from the show, I was like, man, uh, you know, some of this record sounds like music that we would play, you know, in this format. And I went, and listen, I'm not always the most popular guy traditionally in this format mm -hmm. just because I do things a little outside of the box. But I was like, man, some of this record... Uh, there are a couple songs on there. Um, In the Blood. Uh, there are a couple. Roll It On Home. Roll It On Home for sure. Yeah. I was like, this is exactly what it is. You know, it's even more traditional than some of the things being played now. Right. Um, and so I was like, hey, why aren't we playing it? And so I played it and got screamed at. And, you know, it was a whole thing. But now here we come full circle. Yeah. And you've had a little time and some other stations and other people have played it. And I think it's been embraced really well by Great. people outside. And with you to thank for it. Let me ask you a question. If you had played that song, In the Blood, without telling people that it was me, would they have objected? No. Right. So, that, but on, And this is the truth, too. I can handle it, man. I can no, no. Almost nobody, I say almost, man, almost nobody objected that listened anyway. The only people that objected were radio people. Got it. No listeners were like, this song's not country, this song's not anything. Yeah. They were like, wow, that's a fantastic song. Or, wow, I love John Mayer. But we don't play John Mayer. But that's what they're saying. It, that's what it was. It was yeah, just sure. a thing from the inside. Sure. It wasn't people that wouldn't embrace it, that listen, that consume it. It's and funny. that's the weird part. I try to be a person of the people more so than a person of the industry. I get you. And if that, well, that's why it feels so good. Like you said, outside of the box, to give a sense of how different the world is. I haven't heard the phrase outside of the box. No offense to you. I haven't heard the phrase outside of the box in 10 years. Everything's outside of the box. Every possible, like there's no box anymore, you know? And I think what you're saying is. There's a box here. Well, there's a box here. There's still. a box here. And, and, and 
you know, people have vested interest in keeping the box taped up shut, you know. And I think it's very interesting, to say the least, that you're looking at it going, well, why do you have to keep the box closed? Um, and that just goes to show you, there's, there's like, when's the last time someone asked you what's on your iPod? When's the last time someone said, like, what genre of music do you like? It's all completely disassembled. And, I, you know, thank you for being a champion of stuff that's cool and fits and saying, like, well, whatever your notion is of it, you know, let's try not putting that, you know, as a barrier in front of the song. You know, It's not not country. It's <laughs> true. You know what I mean? I don't. I'm in Livingston, Montana. I live in Livingston, Montana. That's pretty country. That's pretty Western. That's pretty Western. So, like, he's saying he fits in. There's a body in my backyard. (laughs) Hey, do you want to? Amy gave me this picture in like 2000. And And an old six shooter buried in the Uh, ground. For my birthday, Amy painted this for me a long time ago. Hey! Like 12 or 13 years ago. When did you only have like one tattoo here? Uh, a long time ago. And That's then I, when I painted this. And then I started doing ago. silly stuff. And it says, say, this is, y- you don't get you to know, keep it. No, 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 no. I'm a fan <laughs> of... Uh, yeah, she painted it for me, so if you wouldn't mind uh, signing that... I would love to. And I'm going to put it back in my room where it has been forever. It's just a gift from her. Mm, yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a lot of... Mm, say. But what do you think? Um, like as an artist. As an artist? Yeah. I think it's... I could tell it was me. <laughs> That's it. See, I even did that. Yeah. Yeah, I want that haircut bag. <laughs> We're going to play in the blood. Appreciate you coming by. I hope the show goes awesome tonight. Thank you. And yours too. Thank I you. I want to know how the emoji joke works. I'm giving I don't you, think I'm going to do that at the Opry. I'm giving I, you my cell phone number and I want you to, I'm like, not like I have a home number. I'm going to give you my <laughs> home, office, and cell phone number. I'm giving you my cell phone telephone number and I want you to tell me how the emoji joke goes. And you can use emojis for it. Get, I will not do that at the Opry, but I, I'm in California. I'm doing two, two shows in California this weekend. Where are you going to be in California? And so, uh, plug it, plug it. Well, trust me, I do enough. But uh, <laughs> I'll be in uh, Monterey and Modesto both. But like a Love lot of Monterey. a lot of TV bookers are coming out to to watch because I'm rarely on the West Coast. And booking for what? For late for lots of shows. Late yeah. night slots, or would you would you bail on this dump to be on a sitcom? Is this what you're saying? I would not bail, no. but they are coming out. To- <laughs> <laughs> It is kind of a dumpy studio, you, right? Look, it's the look, biggest. Bobby, they're going to give you cones. They're going to give you a reserved spot. You're going to lease a Porsche Cayenne. You're going to you're going to live in uh, Studio City. It's going to be great for you. Wow. You're going to shop at Whole Foods. Wow. Oh, I see. You're going to live the life. Dang. You're parked right next to Johnny Galecki. <laughs> you're going to be on a. You're going to be on the lot. You're going to run into Mario Lopez every damn day, and forget about all these losers, aren't you? <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John Mayer. Uh, thank you, John. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you. Man. Have you enjoyed this? This, this was. You're great. This was great. This is great. This is like. Are a you great being, di- Is this ironic? I, no, I don't do that. I, okay. I wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> this is like we we had a dinner and we're like already on dessert and I'm like, oh, we didn't even really get to it. I agree. We could have spent next time you come to town or I'll come over. I'll come up to Montana. I would love we'll to hang out with the dog. Would love to. All right, here we go, John Mayer, everybody. All right, there it is, episode seventy five of the Bobby Cast. Thanks to John Mayer. Uh, we have a Twitter now, at TheBobbyCast. Uh, awesome to hang out with John Mayer for an hour and just talk. It was really fun. And here's a little bit of In the Blood from John Mayer. If you haven't heard this song yet, I think you should listen to it. Check it out. Here's In the Blood, and we'll see you next week. How much of my father am I destined to become? Will I dim the lights inside me just to satisfy someone? 
Will I let this woman kill me Or do away with jealous love Will it wash out in the water Or is it always in 